to the politics of Nashville, to the history of the Upper Cumberland. This is the Backroads and Backstories podcast with Senator Paul Bailey. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Senator Paul Bailey. In today's episode, we have invited Sheriff Eddie Ferris of Putnam County, Putnam County Mayor Randy Porter, Daryl Jennings, an EMT worker, as well as a firefighter, who along with his wife turned his home into a triage shelter during the Cookville tornado before help arrived. These men are here today to talk about the effects of the tornado and how they were able to help people in the wake of the disaster. But before we get into our major topic today, I'd like for Sheriff Eddie Ferris to tell us a little bit about his backstory. Welcome, Sheriff. Yeah, welcome, Senator. Always glad to to be with you. Well, great. Uh, So... You're a native Putnam County. Yes, long, long, long lifetime, uh, lifetime native here, Putnam County. Uh, glad to be able to say that. Uh, it's been great uh, living here all my years. I did go away for college for a short time, but but that back here it, working. That was at ETSU. I went to ETSU and yeah. played baseball. Played baseball yeah. there. See, I think uh, of you as being more of a football player. Than well, I do. I've gained a little weight since <laughs> I got out of college, so please don't hold that against me. Uh, no, actually, I played center field and could actually run a little bit back in the day. So, but yes, always glad to be here. But uh, I've, I'm I'm working on 32 years of law enforcement. Wow. And, well, thank uh, you. Uh, started in 19, the latter part of 1989 as a deputy here at Putnam County Sheriff with uh, Sheriff Jerry Abston. And then in 1995, moved to the Tennessee Highway Patrol uh, in the Criminal Investigation Division. And and in 2000, was assigned over to the FBI Violent Crimes Task Force out of the Memphis Division and spent some time there. And uh, 2004, was promoted to assistant special agent in charge there at, at, at Tennessee Highway Patrol. And 2006, uh, Governor Bredesen, transferred us over into the TBI, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. So spent from 2006 until 2014 there. And uh, as you know, in September 14, I was elected and became Sheriff of Putnam County and uh, glad to be here. Yeah, I think think your victory in 2014 was pretty much overwhelming, wasn't it? What victory? You didn't have an opponent. (laughs) Well, I said it was overwhelming. (laughs) I I, I think we've all been blessed at this table right here in... uh, uh, no, I appreciate the citizens greatly. Uh, they, they've shown huge support, uh, not just to me, but all the men and women uh, at the sheriff's office since I've been there. So uh, very grateful. Well, and, and we appreciate your service. And one thing that uh, I can say about the Putnam County Sheriff's Department, it sure has a professionalism about it. And we appreciate your leadership Thank there. You. And so uh, I know that you love this area. This is home to you. And and after uh, attending college and then, of course, going through your law enforcement career, you've spent most of your time here raising your family in the Putnam County area. We're going to turn now to... Uh, County Mayor Randy Porter. Uh, Randy, Good welcome. Morning. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having us, Paul. And so just, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, about your background and and uh, coming to Putnam County and, and your years of service with uh, EMS. Right. And I think you were the EMS director for many years before becoming uh, County Mayor Correct. in Putnam County. So uh, I think as we uh, end up talking about our topic today in in regards to the tornado that came through those years of um, service in the ems prepared you for uh, the days that came after the tornado but uh, if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself absolutely originally born in macon county on a big farm came to tennessee tech uh, to go to college and, and never left great 
community, uh, just never been anywhere else in my life that I loved any more than, than Cooper and Putnam County. I started with the uh, Putnam County EMS back in 1980, uh, became the director in 83 and served uh, over 30 years as the director of not only EMS, but 911 technology and several other departments inside of uh, emergency services for the county. Uh, then ran for county mayor in 2014, same time Sheriff Farris did. Uh, we were blessed to be elected and um, been serving uh, county mayor now for about five and a half years. When I, when I look back over my years of service in emergency services, you know, we plan for these kind of things like the tornadoes. Mm -hmm. we, we plan, we drill, uh, but you never think it's going to happen in your community. Saw a lot of disasters over the years in in my in my time at uh, at EMS and nine one one. Ice storm back in twenty fifteen. Right. Look back that ice storm and, and and as bad as it was, we didn't have any loss of life with right. it. It was all damage. Uh, I think that helped prepare myself, and I think all the rest of us sitting here this morning will say it helped prepare all of us uh, for this disaster. It almost seemed like a warm-up, didn't it, Mayor? It actually did, Sheriff. Uh, it, uh, we learned a lot of things back then that, uh, that maybe we didn't, didn't do as good as we could have or things we should have done faster. I have to say to this tornado response, the best response I was ever involved in in any disaster in, in Putnam County or in the surrounding counties that we responded to. But I think the, the good Lord knew what he was doing and uh, he prepared us well for it with the 2015 ice storm. And so uh, we had a we had a good response, devastating to our county. Sorry, sorrowful, uh, but uh, and, it, and it's hurt because a lot of the folks that we uh, uh, we lost in that were either close friends or mm -hmm. people we knew. Uh, but uh, that's kind of my backstory, all my years of EMS and, and then being county mayor now. Yeah, I think you touched on something that uh, uh, a good friend of ours told me a few days ago that uh, God had prepared you for that yeah. day uh, when the tornadoes came through and and you um, you rose to the occasion. And I think the same for uh, Daryl and, and also Sheriff Ferris. So that's, you know, there's a time and a season Absolutely. that we live in and, and God prepares us for those times. And so... I think he puts us where he needs us. Sometimes yeah. we don't we don't realize that at the time, uh, but I think as you look back over your life, uh, he puts us where he needs us, and I think he had us all in place for this. and And I think it's the reason that uh, we had the we had the great response that we did to this disaster. Yeah, and and let me just say this before I move to Daryl, and and, and Daryl introduces himself to our audience. You know, 2015 that was. Our first year, all of us, as far as being elected officials, mm -hmm. county mayor, sheriff, and I as the state senator at that time, and comparing uh, just a few weeks ago's response to 2015, it to me was, you know, there was not in day, not in day difference in yeah. in the state response and the local response, and so, but again, we were all kind of newly elected at mm -hmm. that time, and uh, although we had it or y'all uh, being um, the three of you had more experience in natural disasters, but uh, I, I still don't think that you are fully prepared until you go through a natural disaster and you are the leader having to conduct and, and especially county services and, and so forth and, and make sure that you do search and rescue. 
You think about it, Paul, our first year in office, uh, we were elected when in September, February, we had the ice storm. Then that summer, we had a tornado and we had a flood, all in the first year of all of us uh, going into office. You know, and, and one thing noted is that we were all trying to rebuild our respective offices and divisions the, the way we wanted them to run and the way we felt like they should run with uh, professionalism with the employees and and all the above so we were still trying to get up to speed ourselves uh, in the office itself and i think the last few years when this this uh, tragic happened i think it certainly showed right off the front end that, that not only are we squared away in our offices but we're working together as a team and i know Absolutely. we talk about that a lot but but we all have things that we have to do and a, a point to be made and and responsibilities and and we all knew seemed like we all knew what to do and how to do it and did it well and communicated, which is always the key. Yeah. And, and, you know, representing six counties as a, as a state Senator, not all of my counties work well together as far as the various departments. And, and I tell the story of, of Putnam County and, and Cookville about how that everyone works together and, and that's what makes uh, you so unique, and it also helps when times of disaster strikes your area that you're able to come together and, and work for the good of the citizens. Let, let's bring in Daryl. Daryl Jennings, welcome. Uh, Thank you. you. I, I know that you're uh, an EMT and a firefighter at heart, and you make a little salsa on the side. and do con- really good salsa. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he's also a construction worker, so you, you wear a lot of hats. I do. Tell us a little bit about your background, and we'll talk uh, more about the role you played there on uh, March the 3rd in the early morning hours and because your home was basically at – um, ground zero. It was where uh, just, you know, a few hundred yards to the west of your home was where the tornado originally touched down. But let's uh, let's give our audience just a little bit of background about yourself and and uh, what prepared you for being be able to uh, meet the challenge of that 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 morning. Well, I think Randy said it best. Uh, you know, we um, every experience in life uh, prepares us and educates us in, in, you know, one way or the other. And, and I, I firmly believe that even more now after, after the storm, but I'm, I'm from Cookville, Putnam County. I've lived here my entire life now, all 50 years of it and, uh, love it. Uh, you know, I've not experienced any other communities. I wouldn't want to, uh, this is the place I want to call home forever. So, you know, my background, I, I grew up in construction. Uh, my dad was a contractor, and so I just kind of naturally fell into uh, line with that. But, you know, the uh, the show in the 70s, emergency, of course, hit hit a core with me as a mm-hmm. kid. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, I want to I want to be a firefighter, you know, when I grow up. And uh, so I followed, followed through with that uh, at 18 and have been a firefighter with Putnam County uh, for 32 years now. So a great experience, a uh, great group of guys, uh, brotherhood, uh, and, uh, you know, we've, we've done a lot of good training over the years, which I really feel is, has been uh, what prepared me to act without thinking. Uh, that morning and uh, so uh, and several years ago I went through EMT school just to further that education to feel like I could you know professionally help someone if I needed to you know if that need arose medically mm-hmm. but my day job is still construction I'm, I'm a licensed contractor here in, in uh, state and uh, have done every facet of the building process from ground up and still love to do that as well 
and yes, we, uh, you know, my retirement plan is the salsa you speak of, uh, <laughs> and uh, we're currently looking for property but, to build a. You, uh, you know, we we would have given you an opportunity to brought us a jar a jar of salsa absolutely. this morning. <laughs> I, I get that everywhere I go. Some, uh, uh, it's morning, but it's not that morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, most most people are like you got any of that in your truck, uh, and uh, so we we joke about. It. Used to we did. There was always a cooler in the truck, and uh, you know when people ask, I was able to to do that. So we're uh, we're looking for land to further expand that business and uh, and definitely get it to the retirement uh, stage uh, where we can enjoy that. But uh, I, I think everything that that I've been through uh, prepared me in one way or the other, uh, and I take absolutely no credit for anything that we did that morning. And again, Randy said it best: uh, God prepared us. That wouldn't be right, Paul. <laughs> He's got to take some credit. Uh, he he became. The emergency operations command center on scene. Yeah, he did. He and, did. Uh, I know he uh, in EMS, emergency services, law enforcement. Nobody. We don't like to take credit. We don't uh, brag or anything. But now I got to brag on Daryl. Uh, he brought his little subdivision, which was almost totally destroyed. Destroyed. Yeah. And thankfully, his house became the command center that all these people went to. And we were in contact with him as he was helping those people to know what they needed down there. So I just want to interject and say uh, uh, the the definition of heroes in our community has changed. Right. And and Daryl is now one of those. Right. Well, let's go back just a little bit. And so it's the evening of March the 2nd. Uh, I'm in downtown Nashville because the legislature is in session and knew that we were supposed to have thunderstorms coming through and knew that there was a possibility of severe thunderstorms. So I had gone to my apartment, which is in downtown Nashville, and I remember uh, just turning on the news and then all of a sudden uh, hearing about the rotation in the clouds, and then all of a sudden I'm watching Channel 5 News. They go off the air for a couple of three minutes, and then they all they come back on, and they're saying, we've taken a direct hit. And so I had been looking out the window, which the window of my bedroom looks to the east, and I was looking at the apartment building beside me, and I could see the shrubbery and, and all of the pool furniture was just blowing around. And, and at the time, I thought it was more of a straight-line wind until Channel 5 came back on and said, we've taken a direct hit. Mm -hmm. Well, at that point, I started watching the news all the way up until – they said that the tornado had lifted outside of Gordonsville in Smith County, and it was somewhere between around 1.30 in the morning, one, you know, somewhere in that. I said, okay, usually when it hits the plateau, it dissipates, and we don't have anything to worry about. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case uh, that night. But I had gone to bed around 1.30 thinking that everything's good in the plateau not realizing the damage that we would see the next morning from Nashville all the way into Putnam County. So around 5.30, I receive a phone call from uh, Commissioner of Commerce and Insurance, and he said, Senator, have you seen the news reports of the damage that's coming in? And I said, uh, well, I, I saw last night on television, he said, I'm talking about Putnam County. He said, there's major devastation in Putnam County. And I said, no, I did not realize that. So then Commissioner of Safety started calling, Commissioner of TDOT started calling, and 
they were wanting to know where the command center was going to be because they wanted to get uh, their employees mobilized to be here to to work on the response from the state. And I know uh, probably just a little before six, I started calling um, Mayor Porter and Sheriff Ferris and saying, okay, you know, tell me about it. And of course, Randy has, I'll never forget this when, when Randy answers the phone and he just says, oh, Paul, it's it's bad. It's really bad. And so that just... Uh, those words will uh, be forever etched in my mind whenever he said that to me. And I said, Randy, I had no idea. So uh, from there, we uh, uh, found out where we needed to mobilize. And, and so I worked with the State Department so that they could get here. But l- let me let me turn to you, just Randy, and, and I'm going to ask you and the sheriff to kind of share just a little bit about your experience and at what point in time you realized and, and you started getting your people uh, mobilized in, in the areas for to start doing search and rescue. But were you awake, uh, Mayor Porter, at that time, or had you gone to bed? And and I and for full disclosure, I think that's the reason that Putnam County experienced the most loss of life because maybe a lot of people were like me. They had watched it until Smith County and they assumed that it was going to just be a storm. They didn't realize that it was going to be even a bigger storm and a stronger tornado when it hit Putnam County. But where were you and and what was your uh, posture at that time? Well, same as you, we thought that it lifted and then everything was good. So we'd gone to bed and and actually, I'd fell asleep, and of course, my phone started blowing up with all the tornado warnings and everything. And and as I picked my phone up and was flipping through those tornado warnings, Tyler Smith, our emergency management director, was calling me, and and he said, uh, "Randy, we've been hit with a direct hit." And uh, I said, "Tyler, how bad is it?" And he said, "Well, f- we think it's really bad." He said, "Are you in your basement?" And I said, "No." He said, "You need to go because it looks like if it doesn't pick up, it's headed right towards you." Mm-hmm. I said, "Okay." So grabbed the family, went into the basement, waited for the storm to pass, and then uh, uh, called him back. And uh, we were having a hard time communicating because it knocked so many cell towers mm-hmm. down and knocked things out. So Tyler uh, answered finally, and and he said. Uh, Randy, it's really bad. And I said, okay. I said, where did it hit? And he was telling me about the western side of Putnam County. I just threw on my clothes and headed in. Got to the Merge Operations Center, and I'll never forget. You know, they always talk about that eerie quiet. So the I go out to my car. It's that eerie quiet. There's just nothing. The, no rain, no anything. And I drive in the Merch Operations Center, and it's that way the whole time. Mm-hmm. I get out there and go in. And, of course, all of the folks besides me and Tyler and the 911 dispatchers are, are on the scene. And it was just an eerie feeling. And as we started getting reports back, uh, we knew it was going to be bad. We just didn't realize how bad it was going to be with the loss of life. That was probably the most devastating mm-hmm. thing that we we went through, and and that was not something that happened immediately. We would get reports of one or two mm-hmm. or three, mm-hmm. and then as the day went on, it it slowly increased even into the next day. Right, and, and so we uh, we have a great response team when it comes to EMS, fire, rescue, law enforcement, and everything. The one thing I kept hearing from folks as I talked to people on the scene. Talked to one gentleman. He was in his bed, and the next thing he knows, he's out in his yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, Randy, by the time I got to myself and realized what had happened, I already heard the sirens in the background coming mm-hmm. to us. We had a, 
an amazing group of responders that I know sheriff will say the same thing. We didn't have to call people and tell them to come in. And they, they just showed up. They just showed up. I yeah. mean, we had every ambulance we had manned within a matter of a few minutes because once everybody heard, uh, they were they were coming in. So it was a it was an eerie night. I'll never forget, as you said, mm-hmm. the words, I'll never forget that feeling and, and the uh, the quiet that there was in it, but yet knowing that we had took a, a devastating hit to our county. Yeah. So, uh, Sheriff, I, I remember talking with you on the phone and and you saying the same thing. You, you just said, Sandra, it's it, it's it's bad. And and your comment to me was, is we we could we could have uh, fifteen to twenty deaths out of this, and that was hard for me to um, to comprehend at that time that. 15 to 20 deaths could actually take place in, in Putnam County and an area that I represent. And so that was, um, it, really, it was just incomprehensible for me to understand that. But tell us a little bit about uh, how you got mobilized. Your 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 people are, are and I say your, your deputies, uh, your officers, uh, obviously they're there just right in the middle of it. Absolutely. So for me, I was like both of you, I, I'd watch the news up till about 11.30 p.m. And, and usually we keep our deputies on standby if we got bad weather coming in, but we didn't really, didn't seem like it was a whole lot of, of, of stuff going on there. So, but just short of two o'clock, right after the tornado hit, uh, my daughter called me and woke me up. And, and of course, I'm looking at the phone and, you know, when a dad's daughter's mm-hmm. calling it at, right. at one 45 or 150 in the morning it's not good and so i answered it with a little apprehension and she said dad are you up and i said no i'm not what's going on she said there's been a tornado you need to get up and get going mm-hmm. about that time dispatch my dispatch started calling so i immediately got up went into dispatch uh had the dispatchers uh use our ready op system which we use uh, countywide and use quite a bit statewide right. to page everybody over the computer over their phones and get them up and going uh, and as you noted um we did do that but mm-hmm. most of them as soon as they started knowing something was wrong they were in their car and coming right and so for us at that point it was a matter of uh, i went to our dispatch and i was communicating with with the mayor on the phone but i, I needed to go to my dispatch and started getting our command center going and all of our equipment going right. headed that way and so we done that we had a couple of different command centers down there although we were all working together right. i know us in cookville city and, and other law enforcement was working right beside that Daryl and, and that group uh, and Tyler Smith and all that. And, and so it was working good, but mm-hmm. um, took just a few minutes. In 1974, we had one, uh, a tornado right. come through called Black Wednesday. I was 10 years old and it came right beside my house and mm-hmm. my dad and some of my family was part of um, rescuing and all that. And it killed, uh, I think, 22 from uh, Putnam County to the edge of Kentucky. So it was bad and I, I knew, you know, and so once I got, uh, out of dispatch and actually got down to the to the scene uh it was just amazing uh, i kept telling my dad that if i had blindfolded you and took you down there and unblowed you would have no idea where you, where were, you at. were at it was yeah. it was that bad well let, let me ask this question and, and daryl i because i want to kind of talk about your story 
But I'm assuming Highway 70 was impassable. So probably EMS workers, uh, your volunteer firemen, deputies are calling and saying, we've got to get Highway 70 mm-hmm. cleared to be able to get into those areas. And then you're looking for alternative uh, roads to get to those to those areas. So I'm assuming that's the first thing that came in oh, yeah. is Highway 70 is impassable right yeah. now. You, you had telephone lines Absolutely. down, electrical lines down. Mm-hmm. You had debris in the roads. And so that was probably a major hurdle in trying to reroute emergency traffic into those areas to to start doing Absolutely. It. We had people already at that time, not just deputies and officers, but volunteers already calling and showing up during that time. And that's where we were sending them down there at that time to get the debris off the road. We wasn't so much worried about the side roads we knew we would get there we were going there on foot but we had to get the main road open and so right. that, that was the key right there and i know we talked about power lines and a lot of stuff and although it wasn't a danger it was a real hindrance there because all the debris and everything we actually had to send our maintenance down there to start changing tires the deputies mm, i heard about and everybody, that yeah we kept continuing to have flats and it was just debris and nails and just sharp objects everywhere and so it was real hindrance and so we were trying to clean that off and work too and of course you know obviously the first well we we were finding victims 12 hours later right uh, which was sad enough but we were in emergency mode then to try to find uh, the victims is one Mm -hmm. one issue but who else is trapped that needs help mm-hmm. and so we were trying so hard to find those folks and everybody was just you know we were trying to take it grid by grid and working with law enforcement and and the ems and rescue guys and so it was a it was a real process but um it wasn't fun but but i have to say at the end of the day i don't know how we could have done much better i think it i think it worked really i agree well. right yeah and, and you have to remember too paul we talk about the, the the 19 deceased, which is terrible. There was 92 people that were injured. Mm-hmm. That was for, for our EMS and our hospital to take care of that many people, and right. they killed most of them. There was, uh, there was about three or four that went to the trauma centers, but uh, we've got an amazing uh, regional medical center here to be able to take care of 92 injured. Uh, so... It all had to work good to be mm-hmm. able to for all that to happen and and for uh, things to come together like they did. Before I turn to you, Daryl, and and hear more about your story, and especially I want my audience to hear about your story. So that morning, the governor's office contacts me and Representative Williams and said the governor's going to Putnam County. We're going to fly over the entire path of the tornado, but we're going to Putnam County. He wanted us to um, to come along with him. And I, it's emotional to me today. Um, I did not realize the devastation that had taken place until we got to Mount Juliet. And I think I shared with you that you morning, Randy, when we were here on the ground, uh, that how devastating it was to see those huge warehouses and, and distribution centers there in the Mount Juliet, Wilson County area. Some were gone. I mean, you're talking 100,000 square feet buildings just blown away and gone, some just severely damaged. And then we started finding the, the homes. But 
it really hit me hard. And, and, and I've said this about the governor. The governor was sitting immediately to my left on the, on the helicopter, and, and uh, General Holmes with the National Guard was on my right. And uh, Maria Lee, the First Lady, she was sitting right across from us, and we were all looking out. And it took an emotional toll on all of us on that helicopter ride in that morning. And uh, the governor didn't really say anything to us once we started seeing the devastation as we flew in. And and really, uh, even on the way back to uh, Nashville that day, there was just a lot of silence on, on, the, on the helicopter. Uh, I, I just don't think that any of us were prepared to see what we saw. So, Daryl, I'm going to segue to you now and for you to tell your story. That was that was um, March the 3rd when we were, uh, Tuesday, March the 3rd, when we were actually here and, and when the morning after the tornado came through. Then that Saturday, uh, Sheriff Ferris um, provided uh, a deputy and, and a side-by-side for Representative Williams and I, and we spent six hours on the mm-hmm. ground. And we started out at Prosperity Point, actually, where the tornado originally came in at. And um, your home was one of the stops that we made there that day. And and uh, Dawson Hassler, who's my intern that's running the sound for us today, he was actually one of the volunteers working in your yard. And so, uh, but from there, uh, we immediately stopped. Uh, we saw you, and uh, I, I saw Dawson there. But I'll never forget this as I walked up your driveway. I mean, man, you grabbed me and 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 you just hugged me and and because we didn't want to hinder anyone as we went through, uh, we just wanted to kind of bring encouragement and hope to people. But one thing that that I found is that people encouraged me and brought hope to me. But we wanted to be there and make sure that that. Uh, uh, people's needs were getting met, but you grabbed me and you gave me a big hug, and then you started telling uh, Ryan Williams and I your story. So I want the audience to hear your story of what you told me that day. Well, uh, you know, the it, it's pretty amazing to to uh, just be working in your front yard and turn around and see uh, uh, both of your elected representatives walking up your driveway. It's kind of a shock, but it it definitely to me said. These guys care. They came to, to the area that was hit the most and are looking in on their people. Uh, and that, that meant the world to me. Uh, you know, and, and I saw a lot of faces uh, over, that, uh, over that time, really over the last three weeks. And uh, it just really encourages me to our mm-hmm. community. And that is, that's, that's the word uh, community. And that's, you know, with Cookville, Putnam County has really shown that. Right. Uh, you know, you think you live in a good place and then something like this happens and you are, you're blown away. You're overwhelmed. It aren't is. You? It is. Uh, it's incredible. And that's why I said, I don't ever want to move away. This is home. You know, and, and neighbors are not neighbors anymore. They're all family. We don't right. we don't see each other without hugging. Um, even even in the midst of what we're in the middle of right now, we still uh, we still hug and, and show appreciation and, and we love. You know, we before we walk away, it's man, I love you. you right. know? And I haven't right. said that that to as many people as I have in the last three weeks of my entire life. Right. Okay, to, to, I guess, start the, uh, the timeline, um, you know, being a responder for 32 years, you know, I'm, I'm that, 
that guy who stays up, I storm chase. I've been in the middle of them for years. Uh, everything that's happened in 32 years firefighting, I've you know I've I've been involved with on the storm side, and I've been uh, I've gone to other areas as well uh, when they've been hit. And uh, and so and this one by far is the worst thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that night, you know, I, I I don't really go to sleep. I, I lay down, but I've got a laptop, my iPad with radar on it. I'm a geek, I guess, but I'm always watching that. You know, right. my family is, you know, they're the hey, turn that weather radio off. I'm trying to sleep, you know, and, and I'm the guy with my radio on and and things, just kind of watching because I'm always you know, concerned about that. And yes, we're normally blessed when it hits, when it hits Buffalo Valley, most of the time it dissipates and and goes around us and and we're okay. Uh, this one had other plans. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I didn't really see a whole lot going on. There wasn't a a definitive forecast that we were going to get severe, severe weather. Um, but then I started hearing Nashville's been hit and so I thought, wow, I, you know, I want to look at that. And I started trying to get information and that should have been my first clue i guess because i couldn't i couldn't find anything even the in the internet and all the connections were either slow or not working at all at that point so i couldn't get anything and then we get the the no weather you know warning uh, mm-hmm. and that was probably 15 minutes maybe 20 prior to the to the touchdown and again it's kind of like the story you know crying wolf you you hear that so many times you kind of get a little eh, it's not going to be anything this time so i didn't really take it seriously um and that's you know point my wife said you know can you turn that off or down and mm-hmm. uh, i adjusted it as low as it would go uh and uh she i'm gonna throw her into the bus here a little bit but uh, uh i don't think she'll mind she uh, i said well you know it, it could get bad and she said look if it's my time to go i'm gonna go right and uh and uh, so uh, definitely true words and uh, truer than we actually thought at that point but anyway i'm sitting there just listening and and uh, i got one other you know i got the severe thunderstorm watch and then the warning and then tornado watch possible and then the tornado warning and mm-hmm. uh, again you know, i've got about 20 apps on my phone and normally all of them are going crazy too two is all I got reports from right out of all those sources uh, and then I got the Verizon alert the one mm-hmm. that you know wakes everybody up and I could hear the phones in the house all getting that same alert uh, that was seven minutes prior to the tornado hitting mm-hmm. and we evidently after talking to neighbors we got a whole lot more warning than they did most mm-hmm. of them said I got it either a minute before or as the storm was hitting our house mm-hmm. and so uh, and I know that's a that's a timing thing with you know with the systems and getting that out to every phone and every geographical location. But uh, so I got up. Uh, I was sitting in my chair at that point, kind of listening and things. And I got up and uh, uh, just casually walked down the hallway to my back uh, window, uh, back door in my laundry room, and I could see behind the house Plunk Whitson. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've got a pretty clear view of that, even as low as we sit. And I looked out. And, you know, it, it's pitch black typically out there. Well, it was gray mm-hmm. and yellow. And it wasn't lightning striking that was giving me an occasional glimpse. It was like there was light. And I started looking, and I could see the house straight in front of me on the other side of Blunkwitz, and the roof was being ripped off of it. And oh, wow. I looked just to the left, and uh, I noticed the house being completely destroyed uh, in the storm. And it hit me at that point. Oh, my gosh. It's on the ground and it's it's doing damage. And about that time, I was leaning against my door. I felt my door push back against me, 
and the 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 wind started whistling around the weather stripping mm-hmm. that screeching eerie sound and i didn't think i didn't say i've got to do something i jumped 10 feet into my hallway uh, threw my daughter's door open and i was screaming the whole time at the top of my lungs get up get in the hallway that's all i remember saying and i remember screaming it but i could barely hear myself screaming it, mm-hmm. it that's how loud it was yeah people say that it sounds like a, a train coming through is you that know it? I, they've said that uh the whistle i got in the weather stripping was similar to that but that's not the sound when it was hitting it was like there were and my dad explained it best and he lives 20 feet uh from me uh in a little apartment building and he said it sounded like there were about seven or eight military helicopters sitting on top of his building you know, and that was the sound. Wow. And wow. that's kind of what we got too until wow. the debris started hitting. And so uh, I got my daughter up and we were headed, uh, came around the, the doorway, and uh, my wife was coming out, getting uh, our two boys up, uh, and getting them in the hallway. About the time I started hearing uh, glass breaking, and two seconds is all my daughter had to get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two seconds longer in my time to get to her, she wouldn't be here mm-hmm. uh, because a, a truss piece from one of the houses came through her window and just obliterated her room with oh, the glass wow. and debris. Uh, the bed she was laying in is absolutely covered in huge shards of glass, and so right. um, there's no question. I'm, you know, and that was debris from uh, a home that was in your in the neighborhood. In yeah. the neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so we're, you know, the kids got to the floor. I never even got down to the floor i was still standing as it came over our house and was hitting our house and my wife was kind of the same way she had knelt down uh, and all we could hear was just debris hitting mm-hmm. uh, you know windows breaking we could hear the vehicles uh you know glass breaking in those and just the roof being battered by everything imaginable out there and you don't even really think in that in that time you know there's not really enough time to to go this could be it you mm-hmm. know and at I was still kind of in a little bit of shock that, that it was hitting us. And as quickly as it came in, it was gone. Right. And so. So it's like, it's not a prolonged. It, it was it, not it, a prolonged. It, so, so I'm, you know, it's and, and 15, in that, 15, 20 seconds. Exactly. It's, it's, it's there and gone. And time seems to do odd things when you're in, right. in the midst of that. Right. Uh, and and I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute as far as our, our house and triage. But. Um, you know, immediately, uh, I had, and for some reason, I, you know, I, I went and got my phone called 911. It was inundated. They, it, my call couldn't even go through. Mm-hmm. So it locked my phone up and, uh, I had my radio on my side already, fire department radio. And I walked out the front door and, uh, my kids, they, they told me this afterwards. Uh, they said, Oh no, it must be bad. Dad said a cuss word, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, because they they don't they don't they don't hear that uh, a lot from me there, and and uh, it was just it was the the most shocking thing I think I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I walked out expecting debris in the front yard. I expected to see a wind. I knew windows had been broken out, but you know, uh, an oak tree that was three foot through had fallen from my front yard, had taken the lines down, and had blocked the road. My dad's huge storage building had been blown in the middle of my driveway, and there was just all kinds of, of housing debris. And I looked to my right. I heard I heard screaming, and I looked to my right and you know thought, well, I better check on the grooms. Mm-hmm. And their house wasn't there, and it's literally 15 feet from the side of my house. Yeah. And it wasn't there at all. And I could see through where their house would be, and the Johnson's house was mm-hmm. completely gone as well. And then I just – 
I looked out kind of more toward the left, up toward Mockingbird Hill, and a flash of lightning hit. And the only thing I could see was a tree with the the main limbs on it. No small limbs, no leaves, no nothing else. It's something you see mm-hmm. from really a you know a, a scary movie. That's all I could see in in the in the distance. All of those homes that have been there for fifty plus years were completely wiped out. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when I, I I said, oh my God, it's everything is gone Mm -hmm. and I immediately uh got on my fire department radio and and you know and identified myself and said I need you to send me everything you can everything we've got because everything around me is completely destroyed let me jump in there and just and just ask uh, and back to you for just a minute Randy um you uh being with EMS for so long did did our 911 system um did it get overwhelmed uh, or was it able to because uh, i'm assuming so many people started calling 911 probably the issue would have been down power lines down telephone lines down uh, cell phone towers and so that could be an issue but was 911 inundated with just tremendous amounts of phone calls oh yeah we got a lot of calls the the problem was is i think they got like 10 in the first minute and you say well that's not very many in, in 60 seconds it is mm-hmm. uh you know it, it takes sometimes people a, a few minutes to get figure out okay what's happened mm-hmm. uh what you know where am i that kind of stuff uh, but uh, yeah we got a lot of calls but the system continued to work we didn't have any issues the only thing was the cell towers mm-hmm. being down so if these folks all of a sudden the light poles and telephone poles have been taken down mm-hmm. so the telephone lines were not working down there the landlines and then the cell towers got knocked out so that did hurt the number of calls that uh, that we got but we still got plenty and thankfully we had dispatchers uh, extra dispatchers came in quickly and, and helped us answer all those now so daryl um uh, back to you then you you had gone out and this was part of the story that you told me that day on in your in your driveway, you realized that your neighbor's homes were gone. You'd looked around and noticed that a lot of the homes in your neighborhood were totally gone. You heard people screaming. And at what point in time did your neighbors start bringing people to your home? Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. And they knew that because? I, I don't know. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, uh, divine intervention would be the answer I would give that uh, because again it was pitch black at that point and that that silence that Randy described earlier that's when I walked outside in under a minute after it hit there was no sound whatsoever I couldn't hear the tornado going on toward Cookville I heard nothing but dead silence and it was like someone turned a switch on and the screams started and I, I will I'll never forget that sound uh, and my wife had walked out on the front porch at that point and we both had flashlights and when we heard the screams, we just started shining a light toward our neighbor's house. You know, we couldn't see anybody. And I watched them walk down their front steps, uh, you know, because the only thing left, the only thing left was the, their floor. It was like nobody ever built walls on the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, they and, that, and that floor had been twisted off of the original it, it foundation. It had. Yeah, it, you could see where it had started peeling it away and the the johnson's house which is next door to them the floor system was already gone it took it during the tornado of course Mm -hmm. they were a little closer to the center of the storm uh but uh and the section that was being peeled away that you're talking about uh was the section that the family was on right they were in the middle of that section of floor on a piece of carpet in the closet right uh 
and uh, and so we started flashing lights, uh, and they started. They said, "Can we come to your house?" And I'm like, "Of course, yes, come mm-hmm. in." And mm-hmm. so uh, they walked over, uh, and then the Johnsons saw us flashing a light. They did the same thing. They came in, and uh, and then it just kind of started. I was in my front yard talking to dispatch kind of giving a size up of what I was seeing outside. And uh, this huge wide truck rolls up uh, uh, and gets to where the tree's down, and he realizes he can't go anywhere. Right. And people are screaming inside that truck, and they started jumping out, please, God, can you help me? Right. And uh, so I'm 15, 20 feet away, and I walk down to the ditch, uh, and uh, uh, that's when we started getting our patients, I will say, um, the neighbors from Hensley Drive, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Luke Cardi, who was driving the truck and gotten his truck loose uh, from a trailer that had been flipped over and just started, he and his wife started picking up people that were wandering out of their Mm -hmm. rubble uh, and people were handing their babies to them. Um, Handing their babies because they couldn't get out and they couldn't go anywhere and they felt like he was going to be able to get them to the hospital to mm-hmm. get care. Um, and uh, and when they got in front of my house, the people that were with him started coming out and, and saying, you know, um, we need help. And and then I just kind of, again, it wasn't a decision I made. It, it just came naturally to, to start, you know, triaging, if you will, looking to see what the injuries were, what the level were. Mm-hmm. And the, the first – the first person I saw was Hattie. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, of course, I checked for pulse, I checked for breathing, you know, sternal rub, just trying to get any response. And there, there was, there was nothing. And, and the gentleman had brought her to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he had just bought this pickup like a Saturday, week, Saturday, Saturday, before four the, days before the storm. And it was a brand new pickup and it, it basically destroyed. Because he was trying to bring people to you for you yeah. to be able to administer he, CPR. He tried to get out of the neighborhood, and uh, there was a house in the middle of the road uh, where he couldn't drive through. And so he turned around and drove through his yard, uh, across a fence, across trees, uh, another house of debris he drove over to get to, I think it was Hensley Court, had to drive through debris through there to get out and came around. And he said, I was headed to the hospital. I don't care what I encountered. I was going to the hospital right. that morning, and he right. got as far as he could, uh, and uh, and stopped. And so everybody started getting out of his vehicle. And uh, we had Harper was the next mm-hmm. one that I saw. She's still in ICU mm-hmm. in uh, Knoxville. Mm-hmm. Praise God, she is getting good reports every day. Uh, but she had a severe head injury uh, and was not responsive at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and I think it was Harper's little brother was next. Uh, a little lethargic, I think, shocked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we just, I, I just told him, I said, go, my wife's on the front porch, go up to her and we'll get you inside. And, uh, and, uh, we had another family that was, had been trapped and got out. She had severe leg and, and hip injuries. Uh, and they stayed in the vehicle because he was going to try to get them mm-hmm. to an ambulance. And we didn't even know at that point where that was going to be. Um, so, and I think you told the story that you ultimately moved to the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, the church wasn't 
uh, it had some damage, but it was it was still usable. It was okay. Yeah. It was okay. So because so many people were coming to your home, you needed to have another location. So you moved there to to the church. And so how how much time passed before? You know, EMTs started arriving there, and 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 being able to to administer uh, medical help to these people. How much time from from when you set up your triage center from your house, then moved it to the to the church that you? That's were- that that's that relative time I was talking about earlier, uh, because you know it seems like. You know, that to, uh, to my wife and I, we felt like I was, is, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And it turns out that before we cleared our home, it was an hour and 24 minutes, I think, which really shocked me. I, I really thought that, that that had happened a lot quicker. But we we had started moving them a little before that, right. you know, uh, the, the babies and things. And, uh, um, you know, that's... For me, that's the amazing part of, of what happened. You know, you you have kids. You think the world of your kids, you know, and I, I've spent a, a, a decent amount of time kind of complaining about, you know, children of these days and just being focused on their electronics and not not being relative uh, to uh, the things going on in life. And I'll, ne- I'll never say that again right. because I watched my children go from, you know, my daughter nearly being taken from me and, and going through a direct hit to uh, caring for these children. They held these babies in their arms, uh, helped cut clothes off of them, to dry them off, to get them warm, to calm them down, right. to get them to where they weren't screaming and, and upset, to when we got the triage open, my kids on their own took these babies in their arms and walked them nearly, uh, it's just under a quarter mile to the church, mm-hmm. through all of the debris, right. past things that, thank God, they didn't see. Right. Uh, and uh, took those babies and handed them off to the medics that were at the church uh, and came back. And, you know, that to me, that stood out, you know, for them to step up to the plate and do that just amazes me. I don't question, you know, our, our youth in any way anymore. And, and I'm not down on them. I, you know, I just, uh, they, uh, they just hadn't taken initiative before that. And, you know, they, these are the same kids who went to their closets, pulled out every pair of shoes they had. They pulled out their sweatshirts, and they gave them to the people that came in. We right. had 20. A lot of people probably, you know, just had their pajamas on. They did. or didn't have any clothes on. Yeah. And, yeah. and so they – and everything's – there's nothing there for them right. to, to – to put on there's no shoes there's no clothes and and i don't think people realize that is that you know you're literally in bed and yeah. so unless you have your pajamas on you have nothing right so uh sheriff you uh, obviously were responding your deputies were responding you're hearing a lot of the what daryl's talking about trying to get your personnel into those areas and it's frustrating it is a little frustrating. Uh, you know, we're dealing with the down power lines and trying to keep people from the, the individuals that's that's sort of in shock walking around. We're trying to get them staying put and, and rendering first aid or get them to a place like Daryl's or, or someone that we can get first aid until the ambulance gets there or whatever. And, and then trying to search and rescue and, and uh, uh, secure the area as well. Tornado is bad enough. We certainly didn't need anything on top of that. So that was right. a priority to try to get things calmed down and, and, and sort of the area secured. And that was hard to do when it was hard to have any boundaries there. So, so yes, it was a little frustrating for sure. It was also 
unbelievable the amount of volunteers we talked about that earlier that had mobilized in such a short period of time from all over the region all over the region all over the upper cumberland volunteer firemen you had ems workers i mean it was just unbelievable the response that um, we witnessed here in the upper cumberland and, and here in putnam county uh, there was a fund set up. Uh, Mayor Porter yes, would. Um, is that is that fund still operational, or has it been closed down? Can no, you just still operational? It's the Cooper Putnam County Tornado Relief Fund. We set it up at the Bank of Putnam County. Simply the fact that we already had a disaster recovery fund from the ice storm, so we used that same account. Uh, Bank of Putnam County has 18, 19 locations, so we thought that'd be the easiest. As of today, we've got about 1.5 million. Wow. It's been donated to the fund, which is unbelievable, yes, Senator. Is. Uh, money coming from all different places. We had Food City in East Tennessee brought us a check for $391,000. That's unbelievable. And that's just where they allowed their customers to add a dollar or two or ten or whatever to their grocery bill right. and all their 110 or 20 stores. So uh, the fund is still there. We set up a special committee. Dr. Bob Bell is the chairman of that committee with a lot of uh, good folks from our community. They're working to start next week uh, trying to get that money out to folks. Um, so hopefully uh, it, things will work fast and 100% uh, of the fund goes to those survivors. Not a penny of it goes to the city or county or any place else. It's all going to go to the survivors and the victims of, of the tornado. And if someone wants to make a donation, how do they do that today? They can go to our website at putnamcountytn.gov. When you hit the main page of our website, there'll be you'll see it right in front of you. They can click on it. They can use their credit card. They can do PayPal. There's several different ways they can do it. Or they can take a check or cash by any of the Bank of Putnam County locations, and they'll take it for them. Great. Well, gentlemen, before we close out, um, is there any last thoughts or comments that you'd like to make to uh, our listening audience in regards to what uh, – what you experienced that day. and I'd just like to make one comment that we were talking about all the um, uh, volunteer help. Now, normally on a, on a scene like this, and certainly that's what we call it, it is a scene, especially the first 24 hours, you know, it is, it is a, a scene that needs to be secured. And we tried to do that, but based on the terrain and all the, uh, the, the debris and all that that was going on, plus... Uh, we knew we had still had victims out there. Right. So based on all that, uh, the mayor and I decided that, that we needed volunteer help because even though, you know, our law enforcement and rescue and fire, you know, we're used to seeing death. Right. Most of the time, that's one or two at a time. Right. You know, and here we saw uh, 18 in just a matter of, uh, of just a few hours. But it was critical that we get people out there, even though we knew there might be some trauma involved, mm -hmm. to help us search for those for those victims or potential victims that we might could save. So that right. was the that was the key right there. Right. I knew we lived in a great community before this. It's the reason that Daryl, Eddie, and all of us we we made this our home. But after seeing the outpouring of love and support and volunteerism and financial i mean the whole thing we had over six thousand people just from putnam county that came out and mm -hmm. volunteered to help 
it made me realize what an awesome community that we, we live in. I agree. Uh, our community is just unbelievable, and as tragic as this was, uh, the outpouring of love and support is just unbelievable, and there's just not words to express my appreciation to the citizens of our county for everything they they done. It was it was a uh, it was a terrible event, but uh, we all came together and and, and we we'll, we survived it. We'll we'll recover and we will rebuild. Absolutely, I've I've been saying that we are Tennessee, we are the volunteer state, and we will overcome and we'll build back bigger and better than what we than what we were. Daryl, any last parting thoughts? Um, as I've said several times uh, to folks, you know, I'm, I'm very used to being on the other side of, of disasters like this. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, in with all the other rescuers and going to people. And uh, it was very odd, very different being on the on the uh, affected side uh, and not being able to get away really and, and, and help other people, I, you know, I, I spent all of Tuesday searching rubble and helping to pull uh, folks out. Uh, so I got to, to do that a little bit. But from the survivor, from the affected side, the thing I will say is how well everybody came together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you you probably will have people who were uh, not happy with one thing or the other. But for the folks I've talked to, everybody was uh, was well impressed with the response. Uh, with uh, how things kind of coordinated and the volunteers that came in to help out. And uh, just, again, what the community did and how they pulled together to help and support those of us who were affected. Well, gentlemen, uh, we've got a lot of heroes in our community. Amen. And it, uh, we are who we are, and uh, that's um, Tennesseans, Putnam Countyans, Cookvillians, uh, and so, and we're also the Upper Cumberland. Thank you, Sheriff Ferris. Thank you, Daryl Jennings. And thank you, Mayor Porter, for um, being with us today. This is State Senator Paul Bailey with Backroads and Backstories. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Backroads and Backstories podcast with Senator Paul Bailey. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at backroadsandbackstories.com. And subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Backroads and Backstories podcast.